Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another odd and macabre episode of Vamp Jen's Corner. I'm your host, Vamp Jennifer, and I'm excited about this episode because it's dedicated to a day that is near and dear to my black cobweb shrouded heart, Goth Day. If you didn't know, Goth Day happens annually on May 22nd, so mark it on your calendars if it isn't already. I have some fun things that I'll be chatting about. What I decided to do was take a few blog posts I've written that relate specifically to the goth subculture and fuse together some of that information. So here's a breakdown of what I'll be talking about. First, I'm going to highlight some details I wrote in an article called, Do You Know Your Goth ABCs? I came up with the idea for Goth Day 2020 as a crash course, if you will, on the goth subculture for those not familiar. I call it Goth 101. Then I'll be getting a bit personal and I'm going to share with you my story of how I got into the subculture. And I'll finish the episode off with some goth music and film recommendations that you can listen to and watch on Goth Day, as well as share some valuable resources on the community for anyone interested. As always, I'll include links in the show notes to where you can find the blog post versions of what I'm talking about and other relevant links. All right, so first I want to address the story behind Goth Day. There is an official website for the holiday at worldgothday.com. I will say that it doesn't look like the content's been updated recently. The video they have up was commemorating World Goth Day 2013, but the site is still up and fully functioning, so it's definitely worth perusing. My assumption is that the people behind it want to make sure it stays up to keep the community connected. But anyway, according to the World Goth Day site, the holiday was initiated back in 2009 in the UK and became a tradition from there spreading across the globe. As I mentioned earlier, I created a Goth ABC's blog post to highlight some of the key components of the subculture. Now, I could go into the history of the Goth subculture, but I'm not going to here because there are so many resources out there that do an excellent job of that. And I wouldn't be able to do the topic justice if I tried to summarize the history of the Goth movement here in a few minutes. But essentially, it is a music-based subculture that sprouted from the post-punk genre during the late 1970s into the early 1980s in the United Kingdom initially. A lot of things you'll hear mentioned concerning the roots of goth are the famous Bat Cave that opened in London in 1982. And then at the same time that was happening, the death rock scene was growing in the United States. Seriously, what an exciting time to be alive and experience this period in music. Common types of bands associated with the roots of goth music are Bauhaus, Bella Lugosi's Dead Anyone, Susie and the Banshees, The Sisters of Mercy, Joy Division, The Cure, and the list continues on and on. Now that you have a little perspective on the beginnings of goth subculture, let's get a bit deeper with our goth ABCs lesson, shall we? In the article, I go through the entire alphabet, including words associated with the scene. I managed to find something for every letter, even for X, Y, and Z. You'd be surprised. I'm not running through each one here. Instead, I pick just a few that I feel are significant to defining goth. It was obvious to me that for the letter P, I'd select post-punk, which I've already kind of touched upon. It's a genre of music that grew during the 1970s, first in the UK, and branched off from traditional punk rock to experiment with different sounds. Joy Division, The Cure, and Talking Heads are commonly associated with the genre. Goth rock emerged from post-punk, evolving over the years and introducing a darker aesthetic. Since the two music types are closely related, there's a lot of crossover regarding 80s bands, with many being categorized as both goth rock and post-punk. 
Since music plays such a vital role within the goth realm, I want to mention a couple of other genres popular in the scene. For the letter I, we have industrial music. You can't talk about industrial music without mentioning Throbbing Gristle, the progenitors of the genre. The music fuses heavy rock and electronic sounds. Although industrial isn't part of the goth music genre, it has a wide following within the subculture. KMFDM is one well-known band associated with the genre, and other examples include underground groups such as Frontline Assembly, Raised in Black, and Kidney Thieves. Then we have D. Repeat after me, students. D is for dark wave. This is a genre of music that developed from post-punk and new wave during the late 1970s, 1980s. It's defined by gloomy, melancholy sounds, and lyrics typically focus on more macabre topics. Bands include the Sisters of Mercy, Bauhaus, The Crew Shadows, Bella Mort, and Clan of Zymox. The label Project Records specializes in the genre and has published darkwave music by many influential groups. The record company actually released a couple of CD compilations I bought a long time ago that introduced me to many goth and darkwave groups. Okay. Now let's transition to fashion because I'm well aware that it's the look of goth that first comes into most people's minds over the music, more so when referring to those outside of the subculture. I think it's common for those not familiar with goth to associate it more with a look than a type of sound. And yes, there is a signature style that goth is known for. The color black dominates our closets and we love decorating our wardrobe with all sorts of macabre accents. Where things get tricky and the line becomes murky is when the music versus fashion debate comes up. And let me tell you, this continues to be a hot topic within the subculture today. So here are my thoughts about all that. I think that the foundation of goth is the music, but the dress is a way to physically express the macabre subject matter the music delves into. And so I feel the music and fashion are interconnected and they play off each other. In the book Gothic Charm School, author Jillian Venters dedicates a couple of chapters to goth music and fashion, and the perspectives she shares are informative, but she also approaches the matter with a sense of humor, which I appreciate. Now on to some relevant goth fashion ABCs. We have T for traditional goth, aka trad goth. It refers to the original goth style, fashion, and music that emerged during the 1980s. The music of Bauhaus is one example of the classic sound, and Susie Sue pretty much set the trend for the trad goth image. Think heavy, dark liquid eyeliner, tousled pitch black hair, and lots of metallic jewelry. We also have L for lip service, which was among the first alternative fashion brands I was introduced to as a baby bat. At one time, the line was carried at Hot Topic. It was founded in 1985, and its aesthetic embraces dark, edgy style and exudes heavy death rock vibes. The brand has inspired similar goth clothing lines such as Killstar and Black Craft Cult. There's a ton more I could share on goth fashion, but I'm just gleaning from what I mentioned in my goth ABCs piece. And I'll squeeze in a few more. I chose the terms macabre and mourning for M. I couldn't decide which word to settle on for the letter M, so I chose two. I feel the pair go hand in hand. The first evokes morbidity, the grotesque, death, and cobwebbed ruins. All things intriguing to a goth. For the second, I thought of the tradition of Victorian mourning. The Victorian period is popular with many goths, including myself. It was a dark period that witnessed the act of mourning morphed into an art form, the seance craze, growth of horror literature, and industrialization. 
We've got romantic for R. Many aspects of the goth subculture are influenced by the romantic period, from art to literature to fashion. This influence really flourished throughout the 1990s. The works of Edgar Allan Poe are a favorite. A dark romantic wardrobe can include frilly blouses, lace and flowing skirts, fancy coats, and velvet vests. Does anyone want to take a stab at what I chose for the letter V? Vampires, of course. These nocturnal creatures are adored by many goths. While Bram Stoker's Dracula is partly responsible for this adoration, Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles have had a great influence on the subculture. It may have to do with the timing. The film adaptation of her first novel, Interview with the Vampire, was released in the early 1990s, a time of significant growth for the goth subculture. It tapped into a dark lifestyle with characters who existed on the fringes of society. It's not surprising that the film would appeal to the goth community, a community which has experienced its own instances of ostracism, whether by the media or the groups. I also want to mention that there is a vampire subculture. It's widely believed that it stemmed from the goth movement, but it exists in its own sphere and those who consider themselves vampires may not be goth. Instead of having sprouted from a specific music genre, the undead subculture is rooted in vampire mythology and history. I have to dedicate an entire episode at the very least to do the vampire subculture proper justice. It's complex, rich, beautiful, and still evolving. Father Sebastian, Fang Smith, and mastermind behind the Endless Night Vampire Ball is a great example of someone who is reviving and pushing forward the vampire subculture. And students, that concludes the Goth ABC lesson. I hope some of the information was enlightening and gave anyone who's not familiar with the subculture a better idea of what it's about. And again, I'll be providing a link to the complete blog post version if you want to get the full Goth ABC education. For those in this morbid and delightfully gloomy scene, we all have our stories of how we discovered and became wrapped up in the subculture. It was important for me to share my experience of learning about goth and what my journey was like. So I wrote about it in a blog post last year titled, Growing Up Goth, Finding Myself Within the Subculture. I'm going to give you a peek inside my coming of dark age story of how I found my place within this alternative group and discovered my true colors, black, black, and black. Although at eight years old, I had no idea of the goth subculture, there was a film my mom took me to see that I believe planted seeds of darkness in me. Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. It was 1993, and I recall sitting in the movie theater with my mom, watching Jack Skellington, Sally, and the rest of the citizens of Halloween Town on the big screen. I was fascinated, and ever since, that motion picture has remained my favorite of Burton's. A few years would pass before I was drawn back to the macabre. It was 1997, and The Craft had been released the year before. I went to a Catholic school, and there were a few classmates I connected with, mainly because we shared an interest in witchcraft. We had fantasies of forming our own coven to summon the Four Corners, just like the witchy misfits in the movie. Believe it or not, there were a couple of times we tried to discreetly reenact the levitating scene during lunch breaks. Now, picture nuns coming upon us in the hallway as we chanted, light as a feather, stiff as a board. Yeah, we eventually had to stop. All that to say that the enigmatic energy channeled in the craft left a mark on me. 
and my pre-adolescent mind was in awe of all the main characters' dark looks, especially Nancy's, played by Perusable, which emulated a goth style. For Halloween during my eighth grade year, I decided to go to school dressed entirely in black, dark locks draped in front of my face with nails and lips painted in a metallic midnight purple shade. The odd thing was my ensemble didn't feel like a costume. It's not like I proclaimed beforehand, I want to be a goth this Halloween. To be honest, even I wasn't certain what I was dressed up as. I think I told whoever asked what I was going as that I was a witch. As a, as a preteen trying to find myself, I realized that I naturally gravitated toward the uncanny side of life. Looking back, I think that particular Halloween was the golden opportunity for me to slip into this alternate version of me, a version that turned out to embody my personality entirely. It was clear that my interests lie in places where shadows lurk, and throughout my teens, I continued to expand my knowledge of the goth subculture. Funnily enough, I attended a public high school that required uniforms. The irony and torture. I went from a private Catholic school to a public school that still enforced a strict dress code. The school colors were white, khaki, and burgundy, none of which, except maybe the last one, were shades I could work with to express my goth side. There was a small group of goths at my school. I was too self-conscious to introduce myself, so I kept my distance, but I did watch how they managed to incorporate some macabre fashion into their wardrobe without getting scolded by the uniform police. And that helped me a lot. I'd wear black chunky shoes and accessorize with silver jewelry and fishnet gloves, whole black eyeliner, a pale white lip gloss, and a braided hot pink hairpiece were other things I'd use to express my spookier taste. At 16, my mother let me get my left eyebrow pierced, which I took as a major rite of passage. I loved that piercing, and I was sad when it fell out on its own a year later. I think my skin must have rejected the metal or something. Hot Topic in the early 2000s used to embrace a more goth aesthetic, and they carried alternative clothing lines such as Lip Service, the one I mentioned earlier. The retail chain was also the most accessible spot for me to find anything goth related. I couldn't afford much of what they carried, but on occasion, I did manage to buy dark lipsticks, spike collars and cuffs, and fishnets. Since alternative clothes can be expensive, even today, DIY fashion is a goth's best friend, especially when you're a penniless baby goth. I would search goth websites for ideas on how to make your own tops, accessories. I made use of what I already had to create my own alternative wardrobe. I had to get creative. Back when I was initially getting into the scene, there was a plethora of goth websites and chat rooms. I relied on these to educate myself on the subculture. See, when I become interested in something, I have this incessant need to do as much in-depth research as I can about it. I've always been this way. If I were going to associate as goth, I wanted to make sure I understood what it entailed so that I could properly represent the community. Being goth meant more to me than just having an eccentric style or wanting to rebel against the mainstream. I viewed it as a multifaceted heritage born out of a post-punk movement and then enriched by gothic literature, art and history, horror, the occult, and beyond. I went as far back as learning about the goth Germanic tribe. I started compiling information in a binder, which became an important resource. It's my goth bible. I had pronounced from sites such as blarg.net, darkwaver.com, paradoxboy.com, and 13, 313.net, to name a few. To this day, I still have that notebook. I listen to different types of goth rock, industrial, drogwave, and ethereal music. 
the goth compilation CDs I bought from Hot Topic introduced me to many bands and were truly my gateway into the genre. 20 years ago, when music stores such as Tower Records, Sam Goody, and even Borders Bookshops were still around, there were sections dedicated to goth music. Even ethereal music had its own section. That sort of categorizing started to disappear during the mid-2000s, at the same time the businesses themselves began to dissolve. The allure of vampire mythology and history also took a hold of me during this time, and I started reading Bram Stoker's Dracula and Anne Rice's The Vampire Chronicles. A cousin introduced me to the amazing Japanese animated film Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust and the Dracula 2000 soundtrack. The movie adaptation of Queen of the Damned had also been released in 2002. Each of these elements shaped me in varying ways. I became so passionate about the scene that in my junior year of high school, I wrote a research paper dedicated to it titled The Dark Pariahs of Society. It was for a nonfiction essay assignment in my English class. And exclusive special announcement that those of you listening are getting here first because I have not mentioned this on social media yet or elsewhere. I will be publishing said essay as a feature on my website, Bamgen's Corner. Yes, you will have access and get to read Baby Bat Vampgen's writing and thoughts on goth. It will be unedited and presented as is in its original form, the way I turned it in back in 11th grade of high school. I got an A on it, so the writing couldn't have been too bad, right? I'm excited about getting that out there and hope you all are too. Watch out on social media for when I announce when that's published. So that's a glimpse of what my baby bat days were like and how I evolved into a dark goth butterfly or a dark goth vampiric butterfly, shall I say. This period wasn't a teenage phase. I'm going to wax poetic here like many a goth tends to do, but it's woven into my DNA. I knew back then that goth was in my blood and would always be an essential part of my identity. Now, this goth day celebration would definitely not be complete without a few music recommendations, and I'm going to give some movie suggestions as well. Because goth is a music-based subculture, there's a wealth of bands you should check out if you're not very familiar with the genre. And if you are familiar with the music, then these will stir up nostalgic feelings, no doubt. I think the core contenders that always get mentioned that are great to get started with are Bauhaus, Susie and the Banshees, The Cure, and The Sisters of Mercy. And just to be clear, the groups I'm mentioning are just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there are entire podcasts, blogs, YouTube channels, and other types of media dedicated to just the music because the history is so rich. So what I'm talking about here is sharing only a small bit of the goth music spectrum. You also have to consider that goth music has evolved throughout the decades. There's the 80s sound, the 90s sound, early 2000s, and today with new bands emerging and shaping the music in significant ways. The bands I just mentioned capture the 80s spirit. For the 1990s, there's Switchblade Symphony, Black Tape for a Blue Girl, Lycia, Raised in Black. I mentioned before that goth CD compilations really schooled me on the genre. Cleopatra Records released a special anniversary edition album titled Gothic with a K. That CD is like gold to me. I don't even know if you can get it anywhere anymore. Um, I am never giving away or selling the CD. There are so many amazing bands on it like Nosferatu, Rosetta Stone, Alien Sex Fiend, Christian Death, Awake Two Witches. It's amazing. Plus, it came with a DVD of the 1922 film Nosferatu, and they set it to goth music. It's incredible. Now I bet a bunch of you are going to go online after this to see if you can find it. 
Remember, this is a special anniversary edition, so it most likely differs from the original Gothic CD the record label released. And definitely check out the bands on the Cleopatra record label. They really put a lot of goth, industrial, and dark wave bands at the forefront. Last year, I also compiled a short list of films that I thought could be fun to watch on goth day. They're a few of my favorite flicks that either feature goth characters or exude a dark vibe. I'll go through them quickly here. First is Beetlejuice, which probably comes as no surprise. And let's be honest, nearly all of Tim Burton's filmography can be mentioned. This one stands out in particular because of the morose and gloomy air of Lydia Dietz. Her dark looks and attitude have inspired many baby bats, including myself. And let's not forget she has the ability to befriend the dead. How goth is that? Next is The Craft, which I mentioned earlier played a part in me getting into goth. The Addams Family, you can dig into the TV show, the 90s films, and don't forget there's also the animated version that came out in 2019, which I enjoyed. The Crow, another popular choice among goths. Queen of the Damned, there's a divide among hardcore and rice fans like myself about this movie. Some love it, some hate it. I freaking loved it. Yes, it was not true to the story and it diverged from the plot in books two and three of the Vampire Chronicles in a lot of ways, but I view the movie as standing on its own. It gives me major nostalgia when I watch it. And can we talk about the soundtrack? Although the songs on the album can't be considered goth, it's more hard rock alternative rock. It's a fantastic soundtrack, and I think Jonathan Davis did a great job. The score is also really good. Underworld is another perfect choice for goth day, and it's a saga, so why not binge watch all the movies? I've never quite gotten over how badass Kate Beckinsale looks in all the films. I don't know if any of you out there recall, but when the first part was released in 2003, there was a giveaway where you could enter to win the outfit Celine wore in the movie. I died for that latex suit and her killer combat boots. I entered, but didn't win. And lastly, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo Trilogy. I recommend the films and books on this one. I started off with watching part one of the Swedish version with Numi Rapace, who is another badass, and I fell in love and had to devour the novels. The central character, Lisbeth Salander, totally embodies a goth style. The term goth is never actually used to describe her, but she is portrayed as having an alternative look and lifestyle. The films unquestionably imbue the heroine with the dark side. In both the Swedish and American versions, Salander sports spikes, piercings, and adapts a primarily black wardrobe. I was bummed that they didn't continue making the American films with Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara. Before we part ways, I do want to mention some resources on the goth subculture. I mentioned Gothic Charm School by Jillian Venters. There's also Goth Undead Subculture, which I plan to start reading soon. It's more of an academic study of the subculture, and it delves deep into the history and evolution. And I think it's a great resource for those that take the subculture seriously and want to understand it. Another is The Goth Bible by Nancy Kilpatrick. Again, like a lot of what I've been talking about, there's more out there, but those are a few titles I wanted to mention here. Also, I recently compiled a list of dark podcasts to listen to on my blog. And if you didn't check that out, I mentioned Cemetery Confessions as one. It's a goth talk podcast that's been around for several years, and it is such an awesome resource for those wanting an authentic inside look into the scene. The host, who goes by Danny Ashes, does an excellent job of asking questions and bringing up points regarding goth that aren't talked about enough. His passion for the subculture is apparent, and that's something I appreciate and why I listen to it. So definitely check it out. 
that brings us to the finale of the episode. I know I shared a lot of information and I'll include whatever I can in the show notes, including links to the full versions of my goth related blog posts. Thank you all for joining me on this special goth day episode of Vamp Jen's Corner. I'm glad we could celebrate together. Remember, you can visit my official website at jenvasquez.com where you'll find my latest content and what I've been up to. And if you like what you've been hearing on this podcast and are interested in showing your support, you can donate by clicking on the link that's also in the show description. Lastly, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at jenvofficial. I wish you all a very happy and dark goth day. And until next we meet, stay autumn macabre.